0: from the Alberta Motorcycle Safety Society and welcome to Think Bike, a podcast about all things motorcycle and the voice of motorci- motorcycle safety and awareness in Alberta. We will talk about everything from tips and myths on gear, maintenance, techniques, education, and so much more with our varying farm guests. So thank you for joining us. On today's episode, we are discussing Take It to the Dirt. One of my favorite things is motocross and uh, I often... We often forget about that as an option for a track option. Our special guest today is Mitch Brown from the Vintage Motocross Alberta group. So welcome to the show.
1: Hi, pleased to meet you.
0: It's uh, like I said, dirt is often something that people grow up in, but it is often a track option people often forget about. And motocross is actually pretty big in Alberta. How did the Vintage MX Club get started?
1: Well, the vintage motocross got started, there was a group previously known as the, well, they still exist today, the Alberta Old Timer Motocross Association, the AOTMX, people refer to it as. And uh, what that was is um, fellas that had raced before and then decided that they still wanted to race. I mean The group primarily started with people 40 plus. And over time, it's evolved because, of course, those original members grew older and then uh, they had children and they had children. And uh, there's kids and women's events, too, at their thing. Um, At one of their events, uh, their ex-president, Gordon Cole, he decided that he would ask some of the people that were in the vintage motocross community, would they bring their bikes out? And so they did an original uh, parade thing, four or five laps years ago at Antler Lake, which is a local spot popular for motocross, and um, it uh, it sort of caught fire. A lot of people thought, "Geez, we have older bikes. Why uh, why don't we get out and do it?" So it uh, it was born that way. And uh, Gordon Cole ran it for four or five years, and then uh, Canadian motocross icon Steen Hansen, who lives in Edmonton, Motocross Hall of Famer, uh, he decided that uh, he would be uh, start a, a sort of new division of it, and it's morphed, and today it exists with over 60 members.
0: That's awesome. And one of those members is Sean Burke, who appeared on our campaign launch in May where we actually highlighted you guys and uh, and dirt bike or vintage motocross racing he had brought some out to the studio and it's been something that I really have kind of switched our focus on is making sure we include everybody and it's it's great and I'm glad that that club is growing and I can't wait to come out and I probably won't ever participate though. (laughs) Oh, Dirt's no, I'm, sure intimidating.
1: Have, I'm sure you'd have fun if you did it. Uh on the focus of what you were saying before, uh like what we've discussed in the past about about having options for people riding motorcycles and wanting to go fast, you know, take it from the street, take it to to uh do mini cycle racing, do road racing at uh with the Edmonton Road Race Association, uh the people in Calgary. Uh the dirt off also offers that same option. Uh you can get out, you you can compete as hard as you want, or as, uh, or you can race as fast as you want, but uh, you know, within our thing, and you, um, you're not on the road endangering other people. Most of the people are experienced to some degree. There's a lot of X racers, but there's still classes that we have that involve beginners and uh, a chance for people who've never done it to give it a go.
0: So it's both competition and for fun, then.
1: That's correct like uh you know there's uh there's an element, uh, I guess, everybody knows who's fast and who's not fast and who's a beginner and who's who's uh, more experienced. And quite often that uh, when things are too competitive, it puts up a little barrier to people that want to come out and give it a try. And so what we've tried to do is keep a fun aspect to it. Uh, we don't have trophies or, or uh, results or series results or everything. We go event by event. And um, I think that's shown. Um, uh, I can give you a perfect example of that. A, a couple of years ago, I fell on my bike on one uh, on one of the tracks at Alex Alberta at Extreme Motocross there. And uh, my foot got caught in the swing arm uh, between the wheel and the and the swing arm, and a couple of guys who were behind me in the race pulled over, uh, laid their bikes down, jumped off, and pulled my boot out of the thing because they knew I could. There was a potential for me to get hurt, so it was kind of neat. Like, and I think that speaks tantamount about uh, the kind of people that are involved in this club and uh, and how they're there to race, but uh, safety is a first and foremost thing, also.
0: And that kind of is an amplified version of what I've seen at the drag strip or EMRA where they all help each other out because they want to beat their best competitors, but that's actually stopping your race to then help somebody who you're not getting flagged to stop, they're stopping on their own and that's crazy camaraderie and takes it to a whole new level.
1: Well, yeah. And, and it keeps the fun in it too. You know, sometimes when things get too competitive, people start pushing the edge a little bit and, and, uh, you want to keep it safe always. We have a pretty good track safety record. Uh, there's people that are injured from time to time. Uh, I could show you. <laughs> I'm injured here right now. Just fell off in practice, broke my thumb. But, uh, for the most part, you know, uh, uh we want to keep it that, uh, that, that it's, uh, it's, it's not overly competitive and it's fun for everybody.
0: I, uh, one thing that you may not know about me is I'm a salt flats racer and, uh, and last time I actually went on the course, I do a lot of the play-by-play down there now, I guess I'm trying to find the right bike to challenge a record. I took my Daytona 955 down last and got 155.2 miles per hour and, but my back end kind of was. You know, all over the place. And I talked to one of the super fast ladies down there, one of the 200 mile an hour club members, and she had said, go play on the dirt. If you have an opportunity, go play on the dirt and learn what the bad slide is to what the good slide is. And vintage motocross would be a great way for me to challenge that, I think.
1: Yes, it certainly would. Any time that a person starts off in the dirt, a lot of people, actually, that is their uh, initial thing. Let's uh, do a little comparison here just for fun. Uh, I heard of people that have been in the motorcycle safety uh, uh, programs, which are really good. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying anything wrong about that. But can you imagine someone, uh, they get on a motorcycle and they've never been on it before. And they're in an enclosed area. And if anything goes wrong, they fall down, they're on asphalt, something like that what's cool about the dirt thing is especially if you're at someone's farm with larger field or an open area where we have our motocross things. Um, you know, you can put the bike into gear and uh, away you go. And uh, you can shift gears up, shift gears down. And if you make any mistakes, you fall over, uh, you can drive your way out of something. You fall over, you're in the dirt, you're not on pavement. And uh, there's room for you to sort of, oh, I don't feel like turning right now. This doesn't feel right. I can, I can still go straight and, and have fun. You know, it's a kind of limitless area, a large area to learn to practice in, right?
0: Absolutely. So I know we talked a little bit about like the camaraderie and you have some kind of famous people in the, in the club and stuff like that, like yeah. Hall of Famers and whatnot. Tell me a little bit more about the diversity and growth of the club members.
1: Well, um, the uh, the uh, club was formed, like, originally, like I said, by Gord Cole, and um, it has members like, uh, I can name some guys, so Stan Currington, Hugh McCourt, uh, Dale Lees, you know, guys that, that had a name in motocross, like, in, in the olden days, and a lot of the new people, or a lot of the people who used to race in the 70s and 80s, Steen Hansen, our oldest member, is 83 years old, like, still wow. riding, now, that's an anomaly, mind you, but... You know, as a guy, he exercises 70 minutes a day and eats a good diet, so that keeps him good. But uh, a lot of the people are are people who race during the 70s and 80s and 90s. And uh, the top of our class is uh, 1990 currently, and we're thinking of maybe expanding that up to 2001. Because, of course, as the years have gone on, some of our members have got older and uh, gone out of the sport. And of course, some of the younger people aren't quite interested in bikes that are from 1960 to 1971. That are older
0: than they are. (laughs) Older than they are. Yeah, there's
1: lots of guys who my bikes are older. Are older were built before they were born. But our class, like we have our classes. If if I could just talk for a second. Yeah, absolutely.
0: That that. I was going to ask about the classes because I find this very fascinating.
1: Yeah, so our classes are um, bikes that are we call our vintage. Now our, we're na- we're known as a vintage motocross club, but we do also encompass Evo and Grand Prix, which is moving up to the sort of more modern bikes. But I'll, a brief explanation of that is that uh, any bike that's 1990 or 1974, excuse me, and earlier uh, can be of any CC size and has to have uh, twin shocks on the back, not a linkage or monoshock type setup, has to have only four inches of travel in the rear shocks and seven inches of travel in the front shocks and be uh, uh, drum brakes and air cooled. So of course that puts bikes like some old uh, BSAs and old gold stars, and then moving up into the early Japanese entry into motocross uh, Honda Elsinore's 1973, And a bike that has seven inches of front travel and four inches of of, uh, rear travel, it's not all that much. So the tracks, we tend to choose tracks and places to ride that accommodate those older bikes. Not so much like the more modern motocross you would see, supercross you see on TV with guys flying doubles and triples and 50 feet in the air or whatever. Our jumps are more rolling and uh and, of course, you know, taking the older suspension into into account. Our middle class is what we call evil, and that's by, uh, like evolution. And that's bikes from 1975 to 1980, basically. Yeah. And they still have uh, drum brakes and are air-cooled, but they're allowed to have monoshocks and up to 12 inches of travel. So those are bikes that would be like Suzuki RMs and Yamaha YZs that people know about Honda Elsinore's. And our final class, of course, is GP, which is 81 to 90. And that's bikes that have linkage suspension and not twin shocks in the back. And they can have disc brakes and be water cooled. And um, there's a little bit of a movement towards that class from the more vintage stuff. We've noticed that over the years, primarily because the parts are available for bikes like that, still readily available as opposed to bikes from the early 70s. Stuff from 1989, it's easier to get. Uh, bits and pieces for it and um, the suspension is much better and on our older bodies it's a little bit easy on the older guys like to be riding on bikes that are almost new. Now just a quick thing about uh, we were there has been some talk about us of opening it up a little bit to little newer bikes in order to increase the membership and get some guys because a lot of people want to ride on what it was that they rode on in their past.
0: Yeah now I'm a bit of a purist, so it's like if it's vintage motocross, it should still be classified as a vintage motorcycle. However, I do understand that. I mean, you say it's the suspension's a little easier on the the older guys, but I would think that in order to attract those younger guys in, you're gonna have to, like, to keep to keep motocross valid and important you're going to have to attract those younger guys. And like you said, they're not going to want to ride. Well, some are raised right, like the vintage bikes, but some (laughs) want to ride like newer technology.
1: That's correct, and like you know, it's uh, the neat thing about Alberta is that it does have uh, a few avenues. It's got uh, in motocross. It has the avenue of uh, I don't I can't remember what the series is called, but it's a young men on modern bikes uh, competing to be in the Canadian National Motocross Series, and uh, that's serious competition, and that's uh, big money, big effort, big uh, physical conditioning. That's what that is. The AOTMX, which I referred to earlier. Um, That's not vintage motorcycles. What that is, is their original fun thing was they were old guys on new bikes. (laughs) <laughs> and we're and we're old guys on old bikes, so if a person is like uh, older and wants to still compete to a certain degree and wants to be on a modern motorcycle that has all the full implements, all the the advantages of modern suspension and electric start, fuel injection, all of those fun things that make riding so easy, uh, the AOTMX is there for them. And we were trying to fill the gap of people that were uh, liking the older motorcycles and uh, and enjoying the technical part of it because uh, with older vintage stuff, there's a tech aspect that the bikes have to be, you know, you have to work on them to keep them going and you have to do a lot of maintenance to them. So it's, I would say 40% tactical, 60% riding. Uh, and the only reason that I mentioned about uh, opening up some of the years was uh because as some of those motorcycles are starting to disappear now, the early 60s stuff, you know, it's getting fragile and and uh, we may have to evolve a little bit. But still, the emphasis is on the vintage aspect.
0: What got you into all of this and what is your driving passion for vintage oh. motocross? Well,
1: I uh, rode motocross in the 70s and I was a team rider for Bombardier for Can-Am, the manufacturer Can-Am. Yeah. And I, I lived a couple of winters in California and rode there and then rode in the Canadian series. Uh, I was, I, I think I was sixth in this 250 senior class in Canada against some of my competitors for out here. I grew up in the East. I've been here since 1980. And um, surprisingly, I was out of motorcycles for 20 years when my children were born and I was raising them. and. One day a fella said to me, I've got an old Husqvarna. He said, uh, something's wrong with it. You used to be a dirt bike guy, didn't you? So I went over to check it out, see what was wrong, and it was a simple fix. He said, well, I think as uh, soon as you fix it, you can have that bike. And I brought the thing home, and uh I remember at the time thinking, well, wow, it's neat to have a motocross bike again. <laughs> Next thing I knew, I had like 20 of them, you know. So it, it's been a lifetime uh, thing for me. And when I heard about the Vintage Motocross Club, I just got involved. And I've been the secretary now for the last uh, four or five years. And uh, Sean is one of our new members and just loves everything about the club. And of course, Michelle Greer, we, it's, we have a lady president. And uh, she's just awesome, and keeps the sport rolling along for all the vintage enthusiasts.
0: Oh, I love it! I like just hearing the stories from Sean and watching everything that he's doing. I know he loves it. I know he's found his sweet spot with you guys, and and your story's awesome too. Like you know what a history you have with riding, holy.
1: Yeah, well, last weekend we were at we were in Calgary. We have a race at Wild Rose, and of course we're on the more tamed down till hill track. And uh, the fellows that do the work there—they're amazing. They uh, they uh, went around and they used the uh, cat and took off the lips off most of the large jumps to make it more roller for the more vintage friendly. And then the guy tilled the the dirt a little bit, not excessively, uh, to make big ruts or anything. Watered it, trampled it again with the with the cat. Uh, loader and then the next day when we woke up it was all like uh, was sort of miserable and smoky but it held the humidity there and people said they've never seen the track uh, in such good conditions so it was a good turnout and and uh, our next event is a couple of weeks it's in Busby just north of, uh, of Edmonton just near Westlock actually
0: So if anybody was interested in more information the website is vmxalberta.com that, I imagine, has all your schedules, all the rules and regulations, things like that on there?
1: That's correct. It does. It has our schedule. That's our. Uh, we have a Facebook page also, but our uh, our website shows uh, where the events are, all the rules, the classification for classes, the, uh, the cost of entry, the memberships. Um, one thing that's interesting that your listeners may want to know about is that any first-timers that want to come and race and try things out with our... Uh, with our club as long as their motorcycle meet the the basic cc size and suspension um criteria uh, their first race is free they don't have to pay anything because we've always thought like uh we don't want to have anybody there that has to pay and then doesn't like the experience if they if they don't want to stay with the club um then that's fine but if uh, so we need to give them a free shot and what what that does is brings a lot of people out that would never have done it before say well You know, I don't want to pay 40, 80 or 40 bucks or $80 or something to go out for a day. I can't really afford that. I've got a trail bike. I just want to see what it's like to compete. And um, they come out and, of course, we sign them up. They do have to sign our uh, legal waiver because, of course, we have to cover the track owners, insurance responsibilities and that. But there's really no cost involved to them other than being there. And some guys, the second they get on the starting line behind that starting gate for the first time, it just sparks something in them and uh, away they go and they just become lifers with it. So we've, it's uh, we, when we have guys come out like that free and try it and then they become members, it just proves that our system works.
0: Uh, the, trying something once is a dangerous thing because that was the first time I <laughs> went to the salt flats and I was like, yeah. that's it. I got to be there every year in, in some capacity. I, I know, you
1: just get sucked right into it, right? I-
0: well, and I think that's why Sean keeps saying, you know, you could ride this one, you could ride that one. I think he knows if I got out there that would be it. You guys yeah, would have you. to deal with me for the rest <laughs> of your time.
1: Oh, uh, that's great. Well, I know that Sean has really put an effort into physical conditioning. I do have to say that about him. He's a great guy. And of course, he does all our banquets. He's the uh, the MC at our banquets and he's funny as heck and, and uh, you know, he's got the greatest quips, but I noticed that last winter he was doing a lot of running training and he's got up to 10 K's or even more. And, uh, when I saw him here this year, I thought, Oh my God, the competition is, the guys are starting to step it up. eh?
0: Yeah. He has done really well with that. I'm super, super proud of his journey to be conditioned and that's going to make him a really good racer too. Right. But any other, any oh, other just- last tidbits?
1: Uh, Yeah, back to your original point about people uh, not racing on the street. You know, of course, I I don't know what's been said in the other podcasts that you've done. But, you know, the police had that. uh, I remember one time the police had some vehicles that they took to the track to the out to the drag strip mm-hmm. to encourage people don't road race on the street. And, and then of course, uh, the Edmonton and Calgary road race associations, uh, trying to say to people, get off the road, stop going, stop driving out at 189 miles an hour, at, you know, at 250 clicks on, on highways and endangering yourself and everybody else. You know, if you feel competitive, you want to go really fast, find the environment where it's safe to do so that If you get injured, you're injuring yourself and the people for the most part that are around you know what they're doing. And I would say that that's the same thing with us in uh, dirt racing. Uh, The people come out that are new. We have a class like four people that have never done it, you know, never really raced before. But the safety is in the experience of the other people and in the track environment itself where where, you know, if you go off the track here at our thing, you go onto the road that they use the watering truck on. You're not going off and into the ditch somewhere and maybe endangering other people. So that safety aspect uh, is something that's really big and something that we cherish.
0: Yeah. And that's a super important point to make with anything. Take it to the track. That's where you're going to hone your skills. That's where you're going to become a better rider. It doesn't matter if it's road racing drag strip dirt Dirt doesn't matter find the right one and love every minute of it
1: that's right because we don't want anyone injured in motorcycling and i mean you know when people dirt race they're going to get hurt there's always people get hurt in it you know you fall or people hurt their knee their leg their arm you know things happen like that but that happens in other sports also yeah but at least uh, it's not the endangerment of the public right and yeah absolutely of course like we, like I was saying originally, in the dirt, you have farmers' fields. You know, when you learn to ride, when you, your your uh, title for this is "Take It to the Dirt," it's it's the one of the best places to learn uh, motorcycling and to get the love for for life of the sport.
0: Totally agree with you, Mitch. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today about "Take It to the Dirt." Um, this information is valuable it's a, again, a forgotten art form that I think we need to get back into the spotlight. If it helps you guys grow even better, because that's more people off the streets being irresponsible. Well, thank uh, you very
1: much. And, and, uh, you had our website there, like you said, that was vmxalberta.com. Anybody wants any information, they can certainly find that out. And, uh, my contact information is on there if they want to speak to me personally.
0: Yeah. And we will make sure that that is up with the description of this podcast. So it will be there for everybody to see.
1: Awesome. Thank you very much for, uh, for talking to us.
0: You're welcome to make sure that you don't miss any of our upcoming podcasts or listen to previous ones. Please make sure you follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcast ear candy. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover or a guest that you think would be great for the show, let us know how, well, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube where you will also get more information on motorcycle safety and awareness or reach out through our website at ab-amss.org. Always remember to ride smart, ride safe, and think bike. And hey, we'll see you out on the road.